This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. How you doing? Hope you well. Thank you so much for downloading today's show. Coming up, Nick struggles when he goes out drinking with a pal. He, he was fucking round the bend. We literally had two plastic pints of beer. He was back to bar four times. He was drinking beer between our beers. No school, just mate. fucking sinking and putting it away. He's also got a unique way of figuring out the middleweight rankings. So so you do a straight swap? You're I saying just a straight go, right, swap? You're straight up. I would probably push Jacare because he's got a, uh, a win over... Yeah, push, push, push Jacare <laughs> down a space. Push, push him down two spaces and move him sassy above him. And you heard this here First, we've got Cyborg Jamenda Randomé. We've got DC saying that he's taking on either Jones or Manua. And now we've got Tyron Woodley saying that he's in the mix, ready to rock and roll at 170 to defend his belt, yeah? yeah. Go on, tell him who he's against. I think it's going to be Connor. Fuck it, fuck! This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Welcome to episode 94 of the Fight Disciples podcast. Hope you are well. Thank you so much for downloading. If this is the first time you've ever stumbled across us, we reside on our website every single week. There are three fight-related episodes for you there. Um, week in, week out. One on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, and this one that you are now listening to, which is uh, first available on Thursday. But you, with this being a podcast, you can listen to it whenever you want to listen to it. Simple as. Fightdisciples.com is our website. Go and check it out. You can also be a part of what we're doing on social media, at Fight Disciples, uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, you went to go to a concert last night in my home city. Sure did. How was sure it? Did. How was it? Um, it was... I'm going to put this... Tell them, hang on. For- it was just a geriatric old hobo homeless guy singing basically the same song over and over. It, at least six of the songs sounded exactly the same, just using various types of homemade guitar. And it genuinely, you're not whining, that's not an exaggeration, that's legit. Because you went to go and see... Seasick C- Steve. Say it. Seasick Steve. Always sounds funny in Scouse accent. Seasick Steve. Yeah, yeah. You went to go see him. Were you pal in uh, Manchester last night? Yeah, yeah. So we went up there last night. And, Are you into uh, him, or was it just one of them that you've no, just been dragged along to? Yeah, I mean, mates. They the two brothers, and um, they bought ticket for them and their dad for Father's Day or whatever. But the dad's in Uganda at the moment, as you do, as you do. So, uh, so they were like, "You can have this as a debated birthday present." So I was like, "Yeah, sound." You know, I'm up for I'm up for anything, any any kind of night out. So we rocked up to the Apollo to watch C6 Steve and uh, yeah, he was the, basically sang the same song about six times. The most entertaining part of the evening actually was C6 Steve's about 70. His drummer's probably about 70 as well. He acts like he's about 20. Um, he was just like, we were like baffled. We were convinced his long grey beard and his baseball cap was stuck together like something you get in Blackpool Pier or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And he's really like a 20 year old guy underneath. That was pretty entertaining. The clientele was Really weird, like we were one of the youngest in there. He genuinely has made his guitar though from. Shit oh yeah, yeah, home, yeah. It's like he's he's a hobo, isn't he? He was he spent like 30, 40 years riding the rails in America as a literally a homeless person, and um, he would find bits of material and make his guitar and physically yeah, yeah. build guitars and play them and, and and earn some money that way. And then he he broke through ten years ago on the Jules Holland show. Somehow mm. he ended up on Jules Holland playing this three string homemade guitar and singing. Next thing you know, he's doing Glastonbury. 
10 years on, he's like, you know, touring the UK. And, you know, I don't even think he's big in the US. He's obviously from the US, from the South. I don't think he's that big over in the US. Certainly not as big as he is here. So go on, what was the but, funniest um, bit of the gig? Funniest bit of the gig, yeah, it was. Two brothers are going with. Now, Ted's a chef, but his younger brother's a teacher. Right. Right. Have you ever been out with a teacher during, like, spring holiday? My wife's a teacher. She's fucking nuts. She he was fucking round the bend. We literally had two plastic pints of beer. He was back to bar four times. He was drinking beer between our beers. No school Just night. fucking sinking and putting it away. It was literally one. It was like, do you want another beer? I'm like, no, it's fucking... Mate, holiday time. when you know, te- Basically, out, yeah. He was I, literally doing shots through his eyeballs and everything. I don't know what it's like for teachers around the world, but teachers in the UK, they're under a lot of pressure. We, they get screwed a little bit. We are boys here, the, the government here in the UK. So therefore, when they do get their six-week holiday or they get their Easter break as they're currently on at this moment Spring in time. break. Woo! They, mate, they go balls deep. They oh, go, man, he was mental. They go right in there because every day's a school day for them. Yeah. Sunday night, they're obviously marking and getting themselves ready for whatever they're doing. During the week, they're doing the exact same thing. So when you get seven, I think at the moment it's uh, two weeks, isn't it? You get 14 yep. days consecutively off. Oh, man, it is like fucking party time. They are in there, man. It was wild. I had a couple of pints, obviously. Ted was driving. He only had two, but... Andy in the back was rocking and rolling, man. By the time we left, he was singing in the back of the car and everything. He was fucking half asleep by the time we got him home. That's it. Maybe should, they should do that more often when it's actual term time. I'd love that. Yeah. I feel like Jack Black stuff. Yeah. Because obviously he's school of rock. He's a little bit wily anyway. But just turn up, have a few scoops, you know what I mean, before you get in there. Take <laughs> the edge off. scoops before you teach yeah, the kids. Yeah, just take the edge off a little bit. <laughs> There'll be people listening now that are teachers that listen to this show that, that are just into That do get pissed during class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. It's like a secret, just just a little cheeky one before breakfast, just to just to see you on, <laughs> just to see you on till lunchtime. I'm sure the teachers that taught me when I was a kid definitely had a drink. Oh, mate, some of to mine get them had a, through the day. Some of mine had a problem. You'd yeah. have to, you'd have to. I mean, some of my classes that I were in, there were some wild kids in there. I'll yeah, be honest yeah. with you, me being one of them, of course. Yeah. Uh, but you need a little, just a little shot, just to get you going, just to take the edge off. Yeah. I'm sure in our school it was optics in the staff room and everything. That's make you more entertaining. Make it more entertaining, man. Make it more entertaining. Yeah, well, but obviously these days it's all the PC brigade, you see. So they can't even take, uh, they can't even take chicken sandwiches into the into no. the school these days in case of offending someone. We went um, on a, a school trip, right? We went to a place called Pantasaf in Wales, right? It was is that a real place? Yeah, I believe so. Is it like Betsy Coed? I don't, I don't even know what that is. Betsy Coed's a place in Wales as well. That's the Scouse pronunciation. What's it called? I don't know what the, how, how the how the uh, the Welsh brethren say it, but it's known in Liverpool as Betsy Coed. Well, this was a religious retreat. Nice, right? We had Did a, you go to a religious I to school? A, yeah, I went to a Catholic school. Yeah, Did you, yeah. You got I, beat up by the nuns. That explains everything. No, no, it was a proper school, but it was Catholic school, right? Yeah, yeah. And part of the there was this thing called Pantasaf, which was like a religious retreat, mm-hmm. but you could like only, a Wales and Wall type scenario, uh, I don't like know Lords what, or something. Yeah, but in Wales. Oh. <laughs> For kids who couldn't afford to go to Lords, they took them to Wales That's instead. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were, about, there were about 30 of us that went to this gaff, right? And it was living with monks and priests for a week. Jesus. It was absolutely madness. Good trip, real good trip, but madness. And one of the funniest things about this whole trip was these monks and these dudes, right? They're a little bit out there. They're not what, like. Do prop- you mean Jimmy Savile out there at all? No, uh, they don't touch people. Well, I don't think they did. They didn't touch me. Maybe it's because I want a minger. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> they. Um, they they have a different way of life and what they do on their little plantation is acceptable in their world. See, this is what I don't like about all that. This is the right? old but Jimmy in, Savile comes in. No, 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 right? What, they were smoking weed and shit. These oh, really? Yeah, like some of the younger monk people, they don't drink. I think it's against whatever that, that is that they believe, believe in. in. Yeah, I don't think it was Catholicism. 
this is a really sketchy thing, maybe because I, 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 I smoked a lot of dope. You go to dope smoking monks. No, no, we went. We went to fucking PGL or Colomendi. No, no, we dope smoking. You went to Alton Towers. They they went to legitimately now on on one of these nights. They were having like a little bit of a campfire thing, and they were I don't know. They were doing some religious bullshit. But there's some of the younger monk people. They were fucking smoking a few spliffs in the back and what have you, and sharing it around with the kids. No way. Yeah, it was wicked, man. Great trip. That sounds class. Mm. So are you like a Mormon or something then? Is that what you're trying to tell me? You? No, I'm not into all... No! I'm... Basically, my mum and my nan wanted me to be a priest. <laughs> Serious. They did. <laughs> my nan, right, God rest her soul, she'd be gutted if she knew like that I just taught for a living this nonsense. <laughs> She wanted me to be a priest. So much so that she bullied me when I was like eight, nine years of age to be a, uh, an altar boy. That's hilarious. So I was an altar boy, right? And then when she passed away, I, I packed it in. That was it. Done. Brilliant. What are you shaking your head at me like that for? That's how we were brought up back in Blackburn, mate. We only had that. See, that I, I had the flip side. Mine wasn't, mine wasn't like, uh, mine wasn't that route. Mine was the Orange Lodge route. So I was made to march in the Orange Lodge and King well, yeah. Billy and all that, yeah. Well, yeah. I played one of those little piano accordion things and... <laughs> March the Southport in the Orange Lodge and all that kind of keeper. Yeah, I mean, Nan loved it. <laughs> Nans, man, they have the they have a weird take on the world, don't they? This is your career. This is what you're going to be. Yeah. Nan, look at me. There's no chance that I'm going to be a priest. I love shagging birds too much. Stop it. Castle, <laughs> <Not>. age nine. <laughs> That's Blackburn no, for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't say that at nine, but there's no way that that was ever going to work out ever. Anyway, let's talk UFC, shall we? I was going to say, yeah, well, what shall we do in here? Let's get stuck into some UFC chat because there's a lot been going on. One name, one name. We've got to start the show with the name Go on. of the week. Go on. Bobby Knuckles. Bobby, oh, I thought you Bobby were gonna, Knuckles, I, son. I thought you were going to say DJ Mighty Mouse, but you've gone Bobby Knuckles. Ah, screw DJ. Yeah, exactly. Bobby Knuckles is the man. He is the Bobby man. Knuckles, Robbie Whittaker. Tell mm. you what, boy. That kid, he's a, he's, he's a genuine... Where, where are you going to rank him now? Because everyone was saying Jacare was the champion in waiting. Jacare Souza, he's the killer, he'll do anyone. He's, everyone's avoided him. He gets put on the table for Bobby Knuckles, who's on a roll that didn't need that fight. Jacare needed the win to get him ready to fight the wisp, winner of Bispin versus GSP or Romero or whatever. Yeah, Bobby Knuckles, once again, I'll take the fight. Robert Whitaker steps up. Absolutely does a number on one of the most feared guys at 185. The former welterweight, by the way, mm. who everyone's kind of disregarding. Nah, he's not top five. He's not kids top five. He, he, he deserves a shot on the strength of that performance alone. He should get the next shot. Look at you now playing to our boy Bispin. Bispin will be loving that. If Bispin is listening to this show rather than doing his own show, he'll be thinking to himself, "Yes, Nick, that's the that's what I want to hear. Get me in with a stand up fighter, someone that's going to stand and trade. None of this wrestling or BJJ bullshit. Get me in with one of them lads that can bang. Whitaker is the boy. He yeah. is the stand up guy. One thing that impressed me the most about Whitaker and I've been waxing lyrical about him maybe now for about a year, yeah. um, is the patience that he showed. Because there's not many that do that. Well, nobody's done that to, to Jackery. No. Um, he has obviously been beaten before. He always beat him before, but he didn't stop him. Um, and he had him down first round, and he legit he could have lost his shit at dropped that point. Him, dropped him heavy, yeah. He could have lost it there and jumped in and played right into the the alligator's trap, basically, yeah, yeah. because he was. I mean, Jack Ray sat there, didn't he? Mm-hmm. When he was on his backside and said, "Come on, back in. come back into my guard, mate. Yeah, come yeah. back into the in the lair, and we will have a little bit of a scrap down here." No, no, no. I don't want to like get involved. Whitaker with that. kept us cool enough. Very good. Dropped him. He's hurt. I'm on him. And as soon as he got in there, it's like he could feel Jack Ray was strong. Yeah. Could feel he was still there. He just went whoop. 
back straight out. Yeah, Jack yeah. Ray's like doing the old Fabrizio Vadum like he did against uh, Alistair Overeem where he was trying to call him and goad him back to come to the ground and he's like, nah. Get up. Mario, do your job, son. Stand him up. Yeah, yeah. It was like, and then when he did catch him for yeah, real, yeah. he's jumped in and finished him. Well, that was the thing that impressed me the most. The patience that he showed yeah. in that fight. To be Pure able to confidence. Wait. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. To wait and to wait and to wait. And then when he did catch him, I mean, the head kick, <sighs> sensational. The ground and pound was absolutely sensational. What did you think of the stoppage? Um, marginally premature. Yeah. Marginally because... Jacare just rolled onto his yeah. onto his hands and like knees, he and he looked like he was about to escape. But then, if you look at it, when Mario Yamazaki actually jumps in and stops the fight, he pushes Whitaker from from his forward momentum. Yeah. He's about to jump on Jacare's back to do one thing: to slug him, punch yeah. him from underneath. Yeah, yeah. When by then Jacare's on his hands and knees, he's got his hands flat on the floor, he's got his knees on the floor, on guard, punches coming underneath his underneath his arms onto his chin. For me, the fight, it was about to be stopped. Yeah. He was about to stop, and Whitaker wasn't going to let him out of there. So I think, in all, it was a good stoppage. Yeah, in credit to the ref, when Jack Ray stands up, but he, potentially, he's wobbling. He's gone, him. exactly, yeah. So I can see why Jack Ray was upset, but for the first 30 seconds, he didn't know what day it was, so that, for me, makes it a good stoppage. What does he Class. Do? You started the conversation by saying that he's a, he's a top five boy and he's a legitimate contender now for uh, Bispin's middleweight belt. But where do you stick him, man? Does he, does he go straight in? Because Bispin would love that if you just jumped straight over the top of y'all. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because, you know, let's face it, Bispin ain't fighting GSP, is he? Is it happening? I don't think it's going to happen. There's no date yet? I don't think it's going to happen. Bispin's away at the moment making a movie, isn't he, in Bangkok? So maybe that's part of the reason why it's been delayed, but... You know, for me, no, it's not. It's all it's all GSP. GSP. I don't know what it is. We got told that it was going to be happening they in the, the middle of the press year. conference and a head to head saying it's happening and never released the date. The date's coming. The date's coming. And then Bispin's saying like, well, you know, when? When is the date? Mm. Uh, it does. It does seem to be coming from GSP. Like, but for me. So you're saying it's not, I can't ever right, see GSP coming back. All right then, let's say it's not happening. And you, and so but, Romero's got to go For next. people that are just tuning into this saying, hey, what do you mean? They've done the press conference and all this type of shit. Nick's got beef with GSP, right? Because he's written that many articles down the years about GSP's comeback yeah. and GSP's let him down, right? He, he, he's bitter. He's You know what I mean? Once bitten, twice shy is basically exactly. where you're at with it, yeah? So you, you, you're dead. GSP's dead to you until he's actually in the octagon. Until he makes that walk. So we're going to now say that the fight between Bispin and GSP is not going to happen, right? Yeah. So therefore it has to be Yo Romero. You'd think so, yeah. Yo should be next. But, but for me, I do, I, 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 from a fight fan perspective, I think it's more entertaining to see Whitaker versus Bispin because you know it's just going to be a stand-up brawl and you're going to have the speed of Whitaker and the power of Whitaker against the resilience and the tricks of Bisping, if you like. Well, the but, I mean, kickboxer against striker. I mean, it's a sensational fight. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great fight. Uh, but then again, I, you know, I like the Romero fight as well. I just think it's just awesome that Whitaker took the fight that nobody in that division seemed to want. Nobody wanted to go anywhere near him, and he took it, and he'd done a number on him. And the ironic thing is, Bisping came out afterwards and was like, yeah... Jack Ray's stand-up's always been pretty shit. And I was like, look, you weren't saying that last week, mate. You wouldn't even say the guy's name. He's like the candy man to you. Yeah, yeah. But now he's one, thing that, one thing that I did like about Bispin and his uh, Twitter response was uh, chat shit, get banged. Exactly. Yeah. And it's then like, he's absolutely Wagman, gone. Yeah. Jack Ray, gone. Yeah, yeah. Bispin's and, just like, I'll just stay out of action and all the top contenders will just get picked off yeah, yeah, yeah. by other guys. And then I can just come back and rich pick a GSP fight. So pretty Let, awesome. Let's, let's go the other way then. Let, let's say that GSP and Bispin happens. Yeah. What does Whitaker do next? Because there was because uh, Luke Rockhold was there. 
Yeah, exactly. And yeah. he made noises saying that he wants him. Um, Whitaker didn't seem too keen no. when that was put towards him at the end of the fight. But it's like, you know, what's Whitaker got to do? Is he got to do like a Max Holloway and fucking clean out every contender until he gets his shot? When Bispin got his shot on a two-week notice and has since hand-picked two opponents not even in the top ten. It's like, why is why has this guy got to clean out the division to get his shot? I like Whitaker. I think the fans like Whitaker. We respect, you know, we respond to him. He engages you. We want to see him in a title fight. He shouldn't have to now beat Rockhold. And then what's he going to do? Fucking, has he got to beat Romero then as well? Because no, I'm not Bisping's saying he has to. GSP. I'm not saying he has to, but he's got to fight. He's going to make a few quid, hasn't he? But if, so if Bisping is fighting GSP, how long is he going to wait then? But then Romero isn't going to fight Whitaker, is he? Romero ain't going to go. Okay, well, I'll fight Whitaker. No, that's what I'm saying. That's why I mentioned Luke Rockhold's name. So is it Luke Rockhold and Robert Whitaker next? No, I think think for me, Whitaker's gone above Rockhold now. So it's, for me, in the pecking order, you've got the champion, and I'm a massive Rockhold fan, as you know. Um, The champion um, is obviously Bispin at the top. Their number one contender, clearly your Romero. Number two on the list now has got to be Robert Whittaker. Bobby, Bobby, Knuckles. Bobby Knuckles. You do this all the time, right? When someone beats somebody of that who's in that particular position, for example, Jack Ray would have been the one down, yeah, yeah. you go, well, you take his spot. Fucking right. <laughs> is Irrelevant it? of Hollywood punch or fluke. That's it. You're number Fucking right. This is not the champion. This is not Premier League where you've got to, you know, consistently beat someone over the course of a season. This is knockout. This is like, you know, knockout stakes. It's like if you beat a guy, you go above a guy. That's what pisses me off about the pound for pound rankings and all the goons that they've got voting on that shit. It's like if you beat a guy, you've got to go above the guy. That's how it works. That's, you take his place. That's how sport works. So where does the guy I mean? go then? Where does Jack Ray go? Either slips down a place or maybe him down two places. You're only as good as your last fight, and his last fight he looked shit. So what was Whitaker? So why should he be number three? Was Whitaker going in there at eight? I'd say Whitaker was probably about. Oh God, because Musasi was in there as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was probably about six, wasn't he? All right. So the Jack Ray got a six then, because you can't overtake uh, Musasi because Musasi just beat Wadman. Yeah, potentially so. So, so you do a straight swap. You're I saying just a straight go, right, swap. You're straight up. I would probably push Jack Ray because he's got a uh, a win over. Yeah, push 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 Jack Ray down a space. <laughs> push push him down two spaces and move Musasi above him. Get Nick in the UFC for matchmaking okay, right. and leaderboards. You exactly. would sort, sort this out. out. You just te- you just throw them up in the air, Mate, wherever they land, you're just done. In my in fight sports, you're as good as your last fight, and that goes for the winner and the loser. And for me, the loser, Jacare, didn't look like a top five middleweight. Sorry, you're out the top five. Bobby Knuckles, you're up there, son. You're in the team, son. Fucking right. There you go. Number three on the list. Bispin, Yo Romero, Bobby Knuckles. And Musasi. That's my... That's your four. That's me top... Well, top three contenders, and Bispin obviously doesn't get, doesn't count. He's the man. Yeah. On that same card... Yep. I'm absolutely heartbroken that uh, the Karate Hottie was defeated. I know. However, in the manner that she was defeated, I'm kind of excited about it because uh, the thug that is Rose Namahunas has got an opportunity now to take on maybe my girl, yeah, who is obviously f- fighting Andrade in July. Jessica Andrade, yeah, Coast Comain, yeah. So the winner of that is obviously going to get a shot with uh, the thug. The thug's going to get a shot at them, basically so. is what I'm referring to. And the way that she took care of, uh, of uh, Michelle Watson was absolutely sensational, man. She was brilliant. She was outstanding, yeah. And, um, you know, it's funny, IMG are kind of trying to build up these stars. It's like, you know, it was Paige Van Zandt after she did Dancing with the Stars. It was like, oh, Paige Van Zandt's the new face of women's MMA. Then they went correct. Reebok deal, everything else. 
Tom, she runs into Michelle Waterson, gets beat. Now Michelle Waterson's the superstar of women's MMA. They do a big documentary about her. They release it. They've got it all over Fox everywhere. Then Rose comes in and does a number on it. You've got to love fight sports, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for fucking up people's plans. You know, you can't build a superstar like you can in other sports and other mainstream sports. Yeah, absolutely, man. Fight sports is like you are literally one punch away from seeing your world go up in smoke. And you know what? Rose Namajunas, for me, she's the sleeping giant of this division anyway. She's got everything. Technically, she's fucking superb in every department. Look, do, do you know, as a fighter, the look, like the skinhead look and all that type of stuff, she looks the bollocks as well. You yeah, think yeah. to yourself, yeah, you can invest in that and really take this to the next level. 100%. And she talks well. She's really sweet. Like, before she shaved all her hair off, you know, you would... She she had that look going on, that karate hottie, um, Paige Van Zandt, that girl next door kind mm. of... America's sweetheart look going on, but for this sport, I think the look. But then she's she went, got fuck now. that. I'm cutting my hair off because it's getting in the way when I when I grapple. Yeah, so yeah, I'm cutting yeah. all my hair off. So she cut all her hair off last year, and okay, it might not fit everyone's assumption of what a female female is. athlete should look but like. But for or, this or sport, I think it does. It's fucking perfect for yeah, this yeah. sport. She looks like a thug. She looks like Thug Rose. She looks like you, same hair <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? So same she's reason. Better, she's a touch better looking. You than got me, yours cut out for the same reason. I've had yeah. it, Stop wait, the kids what? pulling your hair. Well, basically out. because because of her grappling game at the weekend, mate, and the way that she chokes out Michelle Watson, I thought I'm going to get a tribute. This that's isn't it. a Derry Matthews. This it's is a, a Thug Rose. That's it. That's exactly what it is, mate. <laughs> um, in defence of Michelle Watson, I thought her front kicks were absolutely Ugh. brutal. They, you know, them Mike Winkle John teep kicks. To the to the knee, the front knee of your opponent coming yeah, towards yeah, yeah. you. Oh man, they turn my stomach. John Jones is a beast at them as well. And every time they throw and they land hard, and that must just completely buckle your stance as you're trying to move forward. But every time I see one, I'm like, ooh, I'm, I'm wince for a second because I think, fuck, that could easily your legs pop a knee backwards. Yeah, mm. it could break a leg doing that. It's such a dangerous little move, but sensational if you if you can throw it as fast as she can. Where Rose just there's nothing she could do. She couldn't block. She couldn't block it. She couldn't move out the way of it because it just comes so quick. Yeah, it's like a but it was completely upsetting Rose's momentum. Like it was putting her on the back foot. But uh, I thought it was a great matchup. You know, when this card got announced, I was like, "How the hell is Whitaker Souza not co-main? Mm. How the hell is are the two girls jumped above them when these two guys are ranked in the top six and lived up the division? But it hundred percent lived up to expectations. Mm. Yeah, kudos to uh, Sean Shelby there. Yeah, uh, Rose Namakunis will be taking on. You'd anticipate this isn't confirmed yet, but you'd anticipate Joanna Jadrajek or uh, Andrade. I hope so. I hope so. I'd like to see Rose and Pat Barry and you know a fiance and all. I'd like to see them mm. in the mix. Trevor Whitman and stuff. Got a um, good team. UFC two eleven in Dallas, May third. They give you the wrong dates before. Uh, that's when that is happening between Joanna and Andrade. It's going to be uh, an interesting fight. That, and I've no doubt uh, that Namahunis will be uh, will be cage side, ready for rock and roll. Now Definitely. let's get on to the main boy, right? Because there's been so much written, so much talked about DJ. But well, okay. Let before we get to DJ, let me just mention the lad that we picked out on last week's show. Or we've mentioned about Tom Declasnoy, the French guy. You're a French kid, yeah. He, you know, he, we've been getting excited about him in this part in the UK for a while. He's been fighting on Bama. He's a champion there. Signed with the UFC. Didn't really do anything for a year because he was out injured. But he's with Greg Jackson, Winkle John Nade, and Albuquerque. The kid is an absolute superstar. Now he had a tough opening round against Patrick Williams. Like he was, uh, you thought, welcome to the UFC. But man, he more than lived up to it with that elbow and if the finish that he had, the knockout finish. But. Uh, Tom DeKesnoy is the real deal. And I'm so glad his UFC career is now up and running because this kid, I'm telling you, this this kid could do for European and certainly French MMA, mm. you know, what 
Anderson Silva did, or you know, Michael Bisping has done for this market. Like he is it's booming. French MMA is booming at the moment with uh, your boy Nagano as well. It's all it's all starting to boom at the exactly moment. those two superstars, and yet the sport Very is actually banned, banned in yeah, France. Yeah. You know, but these Nagano and and Tom Duquesnoy they unlock that market big style. You know, because they can be superstars in their own right, and both of them are completely one hundred percent legitimate future UFC champions. Well, speaking of champions and speaking about superstars, this is where this debate now begins because. Yeah. I've, I've seen so much written about him. I've seen so much said about him. Um, now it's obviously 10 straight defences. Is he going to be uh, the man that stands out head and shoulders above everybody else? But I mean, 11 straight defences of his uh, flyweight title. We are, of course, referring to Mighty Mouse, uh, Demetrius Johnson. So much has been spouted on social media since his victory at the weekend. And it was a sensational victory. I'm not going to take anything away from him. It was brilliant. It was class. But so many people are saying that he is the greatest of all time. Yep. And he even said, I mean, it was the best I've ever seen him on the microphone after yep. the fight as well, saying, listen, I'm the best that's ever done it. You can stick your GSP, you can stick your Anderson Silver, all these boys that have got fantastic win streaks, John Jones, one of which, um, all these guys ain't like me, I'm the boy, you know what I mean? I've done yep. now 10, I've equaled the uh, record, I'm going to go after 11. I want to be honest with you, DJ, I couldn't give a fuck, mate. Yep. I couldn't give a shit. I know that you're talented, and I know that you're brilliant, and I watch you, and I do actually enjoy it. But you've got to take note of the television audience, for example, from the week uh, from the weekend, and it's the lowest ever. It was yep. free to air TV. I said, Fox um, Sports put this on free to air TV. Now I might give you a figure of one point seven million people watch that, and you think to yourself, "Fucking hell, that's a lot." It's the lowest that they've ever had since they started covering um, the UFC and it being free to air on their particular platforms. Yep. You've got to read into that. People aren't excited by him. Now, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because of the weight. Maybe it's because there's no actual competition in his blooming uh, weight division. Maybe it's because he just doesn't engage. That's the most animated I've ever seen him yeah. at the end of that fight. He doesn't talk. He doesn't badmouth anybody. I don't give a shit about that, mate. You know mm. what I mean? Give me somebody that's going to live outside the octagon and make me believe in them as much as they perform on the inside of the octagon as well. 100%. You know, during um, during the years I was editor of Fighters Only while I was there, we we would often put stuff out asking fans who they'd like to see in the magazine or put on the cover. It would always be this, you know, similar feedback coming back. It would always be the most popular fighters or the most dynamic. It was always the Diaz brothers or Cowboy or, yeah. you know, uh, John Jones, GSP, Bispin. You know, they, these are the people that people want to read about, want to engage with, want to get excited about. We have never, ever, internally, through staff and people who have, firmly engrossed in the industry. Uh, people want to see DJ on the cover. They want to put DJ on the cover of Fighters Only because they realise his talent and what he's achieving and what a special fighter he actually is. No fan, no purchaser, no subscriber ever put mentioned Demetrius Johnson. Nobody's ca- Nobody cares about Demetrius Johnson. He doesn't do anything for anybody. Now, mm. a large portion of that is because he's a flyweight and the smaller you are, I'm sorry, it's just there's just less interest there and that's evident. But also, as good as he is, the problem is people may have heard of Demetrius Johnson, but they haven't heard of Wilson Reese or they no. haven't heard of anybody else in that weight class. So you may as well be beating fucking me, the fellow who lives next door, because there's no legacy there. There's no there's no depth there. There's no strength. Exactly. Depth. So look at his 10 wins hmm. against John Jones as legend of his last 10 well, John wins. Jones, John, when John Jones was champion and he defended it, was it eight that he fit? I think did? so, yes. Yeah, right, so he did eight. Yeah, yeah. If, if you look at that list, five of them guys that he beat, John yeah. Jones, 
five of them are comfortably going to be Hall of Fame fighters. Exactly. Former champions, mostly former champions. For me, John Jones' record stands out above all the rest. Yeah, yeah. Above Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva's obviously had, he had the 10 wins as well. This is what DJ's looking to over, overtake next time out. Um, but why? Why is he? Why is he so asked about it? Because nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit. Why exactly. is he bothered about it? Why is he no not? idea? I think in his mind, it's like that will make him the greatest ever. No, it won't. If he overtakes Anderson's number of defenses, in his mind, he thinks, well, that's categorical. Then I'm the greatest ever. It doesn't fucking work. He thinks like that. that he's going to get paid off the back of that, and he's quantity not quantity rather than quality. Well, he, he's he's saying to Dana White now, off the back of this win at the weekend, you. It's a seven-figure uh, payday now. It's a million. It's a million dollars for me to get back in the octagon. Why is Dana going to do that? You don't make the company any money, man. Exactly. He just doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. He thinks people care that it's going to be his eleven straight win or ten. Straight Nobody win. gives a shit. Nobody cares. Nobody. People in the in MMA don't even care. People know how how talented and how technically he is, but. Unless he goes and fights, the, the only way he makes any kind of dent in his numbers and steps out of the crowd is if he can get Dominic Cruz to move back down for a bit of a rematch because Dominic Cruz is a much bigger name than Demetrius Johnson. Or he moves up, or if Cody Goldbrand's serious about moving They're down. They're the only two fights. They make that fight. They're the only two They're the fights. only two fights that sell for Demetrius Johnson. Yeah. You know, I've literally lived and breathed the sport for the last six years. Well, you just mentioned Cruz. There's a narrative because Cruz is the last guy to beat him. Exactly. Cruz moved up and obviously he's cracked on at that weight and he's doing sensational stuff. Cody Goldbrand's just obviously taking him out. Yeah. Great. That's, that's all well and good. But the real fight for me, I know you mentioned Cody. I'd love to see him win with Cody. But there's a narrative. They love a narrative. And this is the thing that Demetrius Johnson's not never had. No. He, he's complaining that Fox, uh, did you see any commercials for the fight? Nobody promoted the fight. What the fuck are they going to promote? There's exactly, nothing to yeah. promote. We don't know who you're fighting, mate. We could throw it on TV as many times as you want. People aren't going to buy into it because exactly. there's no narrative. Dominic Cruz, there's a narrative. Because now you can say... This guy that smashed everybody guy, in this. <clears throat> 10 on the spin, all this type of stuff. The last guy to beat him. The guy that's just been beating off Cody Garbrandt. Oh, I'm interested in this. Let's yeah, let's yeah. sell that. He's moved up in weight to steal his legacy. Boom. Yeah. There you go. So wait, and where was Demetrius Johnson's promo? When when have we ever messaged each other and gone, oh, have you seen G- Demetrius Johnson's last tweet? Have you seen his Facebook post? Have you seen his Instagram post? He's fucking, he's a wet fish. Like, no, he's got nothing about him. He's he's massively into computer games. He's yeah. like a computer game deal. He, had, he was with Xbox for many years. Yeah, yeah, he had yeah. Xbox as, as main sponsor. In that world, in that esports world, I think he's a bit of a name. He's got a following. Well, where's the fucking, where's the feed over? You know, if, you've, if you're this big name in computer games, video games and everything else, where's the fans you're bringing to the sport? Mm. You're bringing no one. Like, CM Punk brings numbers. Yeah, yeah. Pe- That's why you got More paid people million. will pay to watch CM Punk fight in the UFC on Saturday night than will pay to watch Demetrius Johnson. And that's everything. That's not the industry's fault. That's not fight fans' fault. That's Demetrius Johnson's fault. You're not... Inside the octagon, you are super entertaining. It's a pleasure to watch him fight. Yeah. But outside of it, you do nothing. No, and I totally agree with that because you look at that performance at the weekend and it was outrageous. Just sensational. The, the, the transition from strikes to yeah. that armbar to take out Wilson Reese was honestly faultless. Mate, it was unreal. Yeah, yeah. And it is, I, I genuinely had a little bit of a skip when I, you know, when I watched it. I thought, oof, my heart just skipped a beat there yeah, watching yeah. that because it was that good. But you're a boring fucker. Not yeah, interested. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not interested in what you're I'd doing. Say that's next. the most animated I've seen him on a microphone. Because he maybe yeah, he was, start, maybe he's starting yeah, he was, to realize he was talking shit. <laughs> yeah, but maybe he's starting to realize that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That well, hang on a minute. I've done this for God knows how long, and I am dominating this weight division. That there's really nobody there for me to fight, and I'm still living in a semi and driving a Prius. Yeah, and that, that, there's no there's no heart. There's nothing wrong with that. 
but don't shout your mouth off saying I, I deserve um, a million dollars a fight. Why? Yeah, yeah. You don't make the company any dough. Look exactly. at the viewing figures. They can't sell you. Like, uh, there was a fight. Was it the last time out when I think there was only about 3,000 people in the arena? Yeah, yeah. And he was the headline. Yeah. Come on, man. You need to get real. Really Start does. shouting it off. Step up. Go and fight Dominic Cruz. Or... Get a real set of balls about you and get in with Cody Garbrandt. Exactly, go up to bantamweight, which is what I'm pushing for anyway. If he needs to, if he even wants to be spoke about in the same breath as GSP, Anderson Silva, John Jones, Fedor Emelianenko, the only way he does that is by moving up and winning a belt in another weight class because he hasn't got the skills outside of the octagon to take him to the next level. So he's got to do it inside the octagon, and the only way he does that is by adding a second world title belt. That's the only way he earns seven figures only way you're listening to the fight disciples podcast now before we look ahead uh, to this weekend in nashville tennessee i just love saying that nashville tennessee in fact i thought that you might have gone balls deep on that were you being a, a c6 steve man from the weekend <laughs> you know what i mean that might be your thing nashville tennessee can't, can't say that. anyway before we get stuck into that um i just want to jump miles ahead to ufc 214 Right, because I know we've got all these fantastic cards coming up. 211 looks absolutely amazing on May the 13th, of which we're going to be previewing when we get there. But Anaheim, California is where UFC 214 uh, is taking place. And I just want to um, bring this up because there's so much going on at social media at this moment in time. Nothing's confirmed. Nobody's come in and said, hey, man, boom, th- yeah, this is what's happening. Um, the main story last week regarding Cyborg, right? Yep. The main story last week regarding Cyborg is that she's got two fights left on a contract. However, there's a clause in the contract that says... Um, that she can um, leave her contract in October of this year, all right? Even if she's not done the two fights, she can leave then, okay? So now she's calling for, listen, I want to fight. Let's make a date. I want Jermaine Durandamay. That's what I want. Um, Either make the fight or release me from a contract because she wants to obviously get back out there and start earning a few quid. Yeah. Fair play. Um, So now on her social media, she started making a little bit of noise. Nothing's confirmed from the UFC or Jermaine Durandamay, but Cyborg's basically saying, UFC... 214, we're going to Anaheim, and that is when I'm going to be fighting GDR for uh, that that title that she so desperately wants. Yeah. That is gaining a lot of momentum because it's not just her that's saying it. There's other people saying it as well that are interested professionals that I respect. Um, it's basically all but dotted and crossed, that particular fight. It, and, it, you know, it doesn't surprise me. They actually brought this weight class in for mm. Cyborg anyway, so... It makes perfect sense that she should get the first shot. Obviously, she's coming off the back of a um, a tainted supplement suspension. Uh, take that how you like. But um, so there's an argument. She took some gear, man. Come on. There's an argument. It's like this John Jones dick pill shit. They well, took some I mean. gear. It's like you know, have you seen how jacked he was in them pictures? Come on. To come out of get me some of that a, Viagra if I can get muscles like that and go straight into a title fight on both those. I'm talking about both John Jones and Cyborg here. Doesn't actually send out a great message to the rest of the uh, the rest of the UFC roster that you know you get busted, but you can still. It doesn't affect your ranking and your weight class. The difference is, of course, you've got guys like Jimmy Manor chomping at the bit to mm. get a Daniel Cormier. Mm. Who else is going to fight Jermaine Durandamé? I'm sorry. Who else has, have they got in that featherweight division that's necessarily deserving of the next shot? Great fight, man. Stand up oh, striker, great fight. Yeah, yeah, it's a great fight. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's impossible to bet against Cyborg because she's just an absolute Animal. beast. Mm. But uh, the hold up, by the way, has been because Jermaine, Jermaine Durandamay is in some fucking. She hurt her hand. 
She hurt her hand in the Holly Home fight. I bet she did, yeah. She fucking hit it with a hammer in the changing rooms afterwards when she heard that uh, Cyborg Shit, Cyborg's coming, coming bang, take my hand out. Exactly. She's sitting in some cafe in some back streets of Istanbul at the moment, smoking a pipe, let me be- let me tell you. I bet she is, yeah. So uh, do keep your eyes on that because we are hearing that the momentum is gathering for that fight to actually be confirmed for UFC 214 in Anaheim, California. Also on that same bill, the reason why I brought up this so far in advance uh, is because um, you mentioned... Manu were there, yeah? Yeah. So DC's been on his social media. He's saying, we're doing it. I'm yep. signed up. I've agreed. 214 is where I'm going to be performing next. I'll bring the belt. Who's it going to be against? Now, I'm being told Jones has been offered it, but there's noises coming out that Jones maybe wants to tune up first. If that's the case, we know that Manu has been to see uh, Dana White last week. He's basically signed on. He said, yep. I'm ready to roll, man. I'm ready to go, whatever. Lions eat first <clears throat> and all that. That's Jimmy right. is in the house. Will he become... Will he become the next UK uh, world champion at UFC 214? God, we hope so. He, uh, yeah, apparently Jimmy signed the contract, so Jimmy's there ready to go. They're literally just waiting on John Jones to make a final decision, but I expect that to be made ASAP this week, really. But uh, no, that's just what Jimmy's been working for. This is what he's been grafting away for. It kind of, it's, a, it's a weird situation because... You know, where does Alexander Gustafsson fit in and all this? He Everybody's fights, leapfrogging him. He fights in a couple of weeks in Sweden in his big comeback fight. But if his buddy, Jimmy Manor, is fighting for the title, surely then the only fight for Gustafsson is going to be the John Jones rematch, which should have happened anyway. Shitting. But the fact that that's going to happen and not be for the title kind of makes it a bit weird. Like those two fighting in the final eliminator to fight the winner of Cormier versus Manoa. Strange, but... Uh, but then again, if John Jones decides, yeah, okay, I need a comeback fight. I ain't gonna jump straight in with Cormier. Okay, uh, Gustafsson. <laughs> like, are you fucking joking? Like, that ain't a comeback. I was fight. thinking of his Saint Prue. Yeah, exactly. Like that. yeah, That's yeah. What I, was thinking. I was thinking GSP. You know, <laughs> can we not play play around the GSP picture? Mm. Anderson Silva, someone like that, someone nice and easy. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, can I just say on DC? I know that I've. I hope Manuel gets the fight. I hope he gets it. Yeah, I do. It. I hope Jimmy gets the I shot. hope he does get it, right? To be but honest, it's a, it's a massive ask because I think DC's different class. There's only one. Sensational wrestler. There's only one person that beats DC. But uh, one, one point on DC, and I know I've slagged him for his technique in the octagon because he does bore me. However, of late, outside the octagon, I'm starting to grow to like him because yeah. he's mouthing off. He's gobbing off, he's giving people abuse, he's giving Jimmy abuse, he's giving Jones abuse, he's at his post-fight, um, after Rumble, his post-fight interview with Joe Rogan was absolutely awesome. I just thought, I'm starting to like you, mate, because yeah. you're becoming a gobshite, and I like gobshite, exactly. fair play. I, I like the fact that he's playing, you know, he's realised, okay, there's nothing I can do, there's no performance I can put in that will get me the types of cheers that GSP used to get, or be the villain, Conor man. McGregor gets. Be the baddie. So fuck it, I'll be the bad guy, I'll be a heel. Like I'll embrace the heel. Mm. And he seems to be doing that by being a bit more outlandish when he does his interviews yeah. and when he's on Fox and everything else. Tyler Woodley's kind of being forced down the same way, and he just needs to embrace it. And to be honest, John Jones could be the ultimate heel. He could make more money than anyone if he just embraced the fact he was a dick and, and acted like one rather than pretending to be a choir boy. Mm. He, when he comes back, he should just be like, "Yeah, man, I'm, I'm a you know, I'm a fuck up. So what? Like, I'm still the best fighter this sport's ever seen. Mm. I'm a badass. Like, get over it." Come on, then. You've just mentioned Tyron's name because he's now jumped on the back of yeah, he's jumped on the man. back of DC's post, right? So DC posts, "I'm going to Anaheim 214. That's when I'm bringing my belt, and it will either be Jones or Manuel." That's what DC said, yeah. Yeah. So then you've got Tyron responding to that, said, "Hey, man, let's go and show these chumps what it's all about." Yeah, they're buddied up. You see, those two and Demetrius Johnson are like buddies. 
So he's like the world's against us. We're the champs. We're the best, but no one likes us. There you Screw go. Screw the world type of thing. So Taron Woodley's now said he signed up for 214. So let me just Dang. go over this. We've got Cyborg Jamenda Randomer. We've got DC saying that he's taking on either Jones or Manua. And now we've got Taron Woodley saying that he's in the mix, ready to rock and roll at 170 to defend his belt. Yeah. yeah. Go on. Tell him who he's against. I think it's going to be Connor. Fuck it. It's going to be Conor McGregor. I think it's going to be Conor, yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. What's, what's, what is that leading you towards? Um, it's the fact that Mayweather fight's never happening. It's certainly not happening this year anyway. And the reason um, for that is? Because internally we've, we're hearing that Conor and the UFC are unable to come to a, come up, come to a, a deal. The deal is, is that UFC own Conor McGregor. Yep. Yeah, and, and they, they want to get paid. They want to get paid from that fight, this super billion fight, right? Which is basically a 50 50 split of Conor McGregor's purse. Yeah. Conor McGregor's told him to fuck off. Yeah, basically, yeah. That's what we're hearing anyway. Conor's kind of gone, well, it ain't happening then, so so do one. And uh, their response to that was like, right, okay, you can fight Tyler Woodley then. So Three weight. Three weight world champ. They've done him a solid because they could have gone, okay, then that's fine. Come back. Uh, Tony Ferguson's waiting for you, 204. Yeah. 214. Well, what are you going to do? That, that's it. That's the contract. That's your fight. Like he's the number one guy, and I would, I feel for Tony Ferguson that that's not happening because yeah, Tony yeah. Ferguson. I mean, what else has he got to do to get a title shot? However, they, I think they may be appeasing Connor by going, okay, the Mayweather thing ain't happening because you don't want to. Obviously, you, you know we can't agree a fee. I'll so I'll tell you what, let's effort. make you the greatest superstar the sport's ever seen. You can fight for the third belt now. Incidentally, John Kavanagh. Connor's coach was doing seminars in Australia last week and he got asked there about a potential fight against Tyron Woodley and he was like, yeah man, a wrestler with a big punch, that's Connor's bread and butter, we've been doing them guys for years, that's not a problem. And there's Needle from last time when they had that press conference and they were a little bit backstage. Dad, a bit fallout and everything else. Yeah, yeah. man. So you know Connor, he pisses everybody off because he's so rich. But you know what, I interviewed Tyron Woodley for, the, for my final issue of Ty- Fighters Only and I actually spoke to him about Connor McGregor as well. And um, he's down for it. That's the fight he wants more than anything else. It makes because he makes him a multi-millionaire, the money. man. He makes the money. And he knows that Connor comes in as the, the, the Luke Skywalker, the, the, the light, the shining light. And he's Kylo Ren. And he fucking, he's quite happy to play that part. He's like, yeah, man, I'm down. Let's do it. So in some ways, because I like Tyron Woodley and I get on with him, I hope it, the, the fight does come off. But listen, if Connor's involved... Don't you dare. If Don't Connor, you dare if back Connor's against involved, our man. If Connor's involved... Anything could happen. Yeah, man. Anything could happen. You heard it here first, all right? Just put that in the diary. Um, Anaheim, California, UFC 214. Fuck. If they won't do three title fights, they won't do three. Mate, this is the UFC. They can do what they want. This is a new age of the UFC. That's, it's starting to build. That's I mean, look true. how many title fights they got on 211. That's true, yeah. They starting can, to build. That's true, yeah. That's true. Eddie Alvarez is on the fucking prelims, mate. It's starting to build. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> we slagged them off in January. We slagged them off in, in February. I tell you something. May, June, and July, baby. We're coming for you. <laughs> You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Right, let's turn our attention towards Nashville, Tennessee this weekend. Cub Swanson, one of your favourites, my boy. Yep. Taking on the man that we've just been speaking about, best pal. Artem. Um, we've just been speaking about Connor, Artem Lobov, who was uh, who was absolutely sensational last time out when he was uh, fighting in Ireland. Um, he's one of Conor McGregor's main boys. I wouldn't be surprised if Connor's out there, actually, uh, yep. because he does like to go to his, uh, his teammates' fights. Yeah, uh, but this is a big one. Cub Swanson. I think he he's looked... still recovering from his week in Liverpool. Of course he? he is, mate. Yeah, he's still, yeah, still getting he's, over he's, that. No, he's still in Liverpool. He's <laughs> still there, buzzing. Uh, but Cubby looked awesome last time out, man. Um, I'm really looking forward to this um, because of the needle once again. I love fighters that start giving each other shit pre-fight. Love all that. Cub Swanson's basically saying, 
Art and Lobov would never be in the UFC if he wasn't mates with Conor McGregor. Yep. Is basically what he said. That just puts petrol on a fire, man. Let's bring it. Let's get in the middle of the octagon and start whacking the living daylights out of each other. And we know that Cubby loves to throw some leather. Yeah, he does, yeah. And um, he will absolutely smash Lobov to bits, to be honest with you. <laughs> I really don't uh, I don't necessarily rate Art and Lobov. Um, he's two for two. He's won two and lost two in the UFC. It's only last time that he impressed. He lost his first two, but he's won his he's won his last two. But you know, beating the guy, beating Chris Avila and Ishihara last time out and stuff like that. That's a whole different ball game to the likes of Cub Swanson. Like Cubby, listen, you're just going legit. on TT because you've got a little bit of love for Cubby because of his tattoos. I right, that's Cubby. where it is. I do love Cubby Swanson. I've got to be honest. I love his uh, his whole Cubby. You, Swanson you model yourself on him. You've got the tats. You've got the beard. Else. You've got the whole gear going on. You want to be Cub Swanson? I think he models himself on me. To be yeah, honest. I all right, lad. I all right. He will. I agree. I don't think you. he wears beads. So <laughs> I think he, he will do. He doesn't job. look like a bead guy. But yeah, I think this is a. Uh, you know, I think there's an element of truth to the fact that Artem gets this exposure because he's Connor's training partner and his buddy. There's no way a guy with a 2-2 two two record like he's got with the wins he's got against the standard of opposition should be headlining a fight night card against a top 10 ranked contender. Like he, he kind of, he's got this opportunity on the strength of the fact that they'll probably have Connor at ringside and stuff. And that's, uh, I'm trying not to, to piss all over Artem. Yeah, you are. Idiot. Do it. But to be honest with you, yeah. You're on the ear because you're your mate. He's out of his depth. He's completely out of his depth. Cubby Swanson's massive a featherweight. Mm. Artem Lovov's certainly not the biggest featherweight with his big neck, shoulders and everything else. So I think this is a bit of a mismatch. And I think Artem, I think uh, Cubby Swanson finishes him inside uh, two or three rounds. This is uh, kind of the tail of the tape this year for the USC because all the, all the uh, events that are not pay-per-view have been the, the daddy. Kansas City, for example, last week was sensational. We obviously had USC London, which was brilliant. We had... Uh, uh, the Brazilian card earlier on this year, which was absolutely amazing. Nashville's stacking up quite nicely. Cubby's on there. When we've got the main some... cards, mint. Yeah, it's I mean, we've, we've got guys that are on that uh, main card that are in desperate need of results. OSP is desperate, yeah, yeah. man. I mean, we're talking now. Yeah, He has to win or he's going to be... Somebody's going to be knocking on the door saying, listen, man, your, time up, your time's up in the UFC. Yeah, big time. And... Uh... You know, it's uh, he's Bellator bound. I've got to be honest with you. Like he's got he's got the hallmarks, and I think uh, you know there's there's a few on there. I I like Aya Quinta against uh, Diego Sanchez in the co-main. Yeah, That's yeah. going to be crazy. Yeah, like, yeah, Diego's never in a bad fight. Ally Quinta's on a great run, but then refused to fight in New York. If you remember when they first yeah, went back did. to New York, because he said the money was crap. He's better off working as a real estate agent. He's obviously sorted that out now with the UFC. He's coming back here against Diego Sanchez. And Multi-talented, are you, Quinter? He's unbelievable. He, he's got so much talent. His boxing's super, but we know that's what Diego likes to do, even though he's got a fantastic ground game. He likes to stand up war, so that'll end up a bloody mess, uh, that's for sure. John Dodson, Eddie Wineland's a class fight. Joe Lau's on, absolutely love him. Against your boy Stevie Ray. Massive opportunity for Stevie Ray. He had to claim the biggest scalp of his career, big time. And even that one, that kicks it off. Jake Ellenberger, okay, Punch it a bit punchy now and a bit uh he was probably on his way back down the mountain. But Mike Perry is coming off a, a defeat, but as we know, is an absolute murderous puncher. Yeah. Done a number on our boy Danny Roberts. Well, this is it. One of the things about Mike Platinum Perry is the fact that he fought our mate. Yeah, so we think he's a dick. Yeah. But he was fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I've watched him a couple of times now, Mike Perry. And like you just said, he's a murderous puncher. And yeah. not only that. He's a gobby little shit. And I like it, man. I can't help but like it. Yeah, okay. He, d- he did do a, a number on Danny and he, d- he was a bit snide with a shot that was maybe he shouldn't, yeah. uh, he, he shouldn't have took on Danny. And he, he did does a number have on him. the word platinum instead of an eyebrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. 
But but he's every, got nine wins and nine straight knockouts. Yeah. So you know, and you've got to he love talks that to, shit. and he talks it. And I love all that. Yeah. And, and Jake, I, listen, Jake Ellenberger on paper, he should wipe the floor with this guy, but Jake's punchy. He's a little bit slower than what he was. If And if Mike Perry lands, he'll just detonate and he'll put Jake Ellenberger to sleep. And mm. then goodbye, Jake Ellenberger's career. It's a cool main card. So much that's happening on there. Like you said, Dodson's on there. Great fighter. I like Dodson, mainly at weigh-ins. I yeah. don't... I, Sometimes he doesn't necessarily... Well, he does always turn up, I suppose, in the octagon, but he turns up even more so at the weigh-in. Yeah, he's super fast, and he's, he's entertaining when he gets in there. He's entertaining outside of it. You know, he, he's got something going on that Demetrius Johnson hasn't got. It's a shame. Demetrius Johnson's a better fighter. He's proven that more than, on more than one occasion against John Dodson. Yeah. But John Dodson's got something about him that you want to engage you buy into. Like, you're into him, you know? He's got this whole thing. Demetrius Johnson's got a cool nickname, Mighty Mouse. You know, it's fucking... He should be selling off the back of that, but I don't know. He just doesn't do it for us, and John Dodson does. John Dodson's got a bigger following, and that fight with Eddie Wineland's mint class fight. I'm looking forward to this card. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Thank you once again for downloading our little show. Much appreciated. And um, we've got a big week lined up for you next week in the world of boxing. Of course, we are going to be gearing towards Anthony Joshua, Vladimir Klitschko. But there's a lot to talk about in the world of UFC as well. And of course, um, if you've been listening to the other shows that we've done this week in the world of boxing, um, we're trying to sort out some beers because we don't want to just bring in random sponsors to this particular show. We want to help you out. Now, I've been speaking to a company that have promised us half-price crates of beer. Oy. All you need to do is use one of our Fight Disciples codes in their website, which now, is we'll this, tell you about next week. We need to let the people know, though, because obviously we have a big following in Australia, a big following in Sweden. We need to clarify. Worldwide. It's worldwide. Well, the company that I'm speaking to are in Denmark. But they can supply beers to Australia, they, anywhere, they, America. Yeah, yeah, they ship everywhere. Mint. There you go. Yeah, we're good, aren't we? There you go. So we'll get uh, one of them little dodgy codes. Little back door job, voucher code type voucher things. Mm. It's uh, not dodgy, it's just a voucher code. And then you get half price credit. Half ale. price ale. That's what you want, isn't it? That's what you want. None of this healthy shit. That's what you want, sunshine. Exactly. Week after, we're doing kebabs. Stick with us, kid. <laughs> You'll wear diamonds. Thank you very much for your time. If you uh, have only just stumbled across us, please subscribe on iTunes. Just search for Fight Disciples. You can do it very quickly via our website, fightdisciples.com. There's a button there that'll take you straight to uh, iTunes and you can uh, uh, become a part of this uh, every single week. You can also keep up to date with our conversations on the fight game uh, at Fight Disciples on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.